0: Welcome to another edition of the Ebony Bird Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. I am the owner and founder of Charm City Bird Watch. Again, you can follow us on charmcitybirdwatch.com and charmcitybw on Twitter. And you can find my personal Twitter at jmcdonald95. And of course, ebonybird.com and ebony underscore bird on Twitter. Make sure you also check out our download or download our, uh, our Ebony Bird app on the app store where you can check out all of our articles, posts for both writing and podcasts. Some recent ones here, uh, Baltimore Ravens, the clock is ticking on Brashad Perryman posted today. We'll talk about that as well. And, of course, Baltimore Ravens versus Oakland Raiders, five thoughts following the 30-17 win. Of course, news on Matt Skura missing two to four weeks of the MCL sprain. And, of course, Terrence West dealing with a cap injury as well. So for all that, be sure to check us out. Again, Ebony underscore Bird on Twitter, the Ebony Bird app from the App Store, and EbonyBird.com. We're here today with another uh, edition of the Emily Bird Podcast. You're listening to this through either Blog Talk Radio or iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a, a review. Uh, if it's a five-star review or anything along those lines, we will read it on our uh, podcast. So be sure to get those reviews in as well. Joining me again, as always, are two site experts, Chris Schistler at FootballMan58 on Twitter and Joe Schiller. Joe Show with two R's. I am contributor Jake McDonald. So, fellas, we'll go to Chris first, and then uh, and then Joe. Uh, how are we all doing today? And I heard, uh, as we alluded to in our conversation earlier, Chris, you had a little interaction at work uh, with somebody who knew the site.
1: Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I was talking about the Ravens-Raiders uh, game with a customer, and uh, he, he just says, uh, Man, I um, I'm pumped up about the Ravens. I was like, yeah, I am too. We're talking about the Ravens, and I mentioned ebonybird.com, and he says, oh, I'm on that site all the time. I I love that site, and that was that was felt good. I mean, we're getting we're getting out there, and you know, I I know we're doing well on the page views, but to actually meet the guy, one of the guys, who's giving them to you, is kind of a surreal experience. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm doing well. That's a really cool thing to do because I know I started. It's
2: almost coming up on a year since I started writing for Avonney Bird and Chris um, was the one who first kind of got this thing going after the site was down for a while. So we've really turned things around, um, and it's, and I'm, that's really cool to see a guy, local guy, um, checking out the site.
0: Yeah, as always, we do appreciate everybody who's checking out our Ebony Bird website. Of course, uh, Joe sent us earlier. Our, our work has been featured a couple of times on Late for Work on the Baltimore Ravens website. And also, I was watching Ravens Unscripted on the uh, Baltimore Ravens website. I can't remember if it was last week's episode or the one two weeks prior, but they did this segment. They have, like, this uh, Twitter segment where they show a bunch of, t- of tweets from different accounts from media members, fans, etc., and they you know do retweet or delete uh, media members on there whether it be for the website or, or some other uh, media outlets. I've seen several of the Ravens media. I saw Jerry Sandusky on a few weeks ago, and they had uh, one of our tweets from our Twitter account again, Ebony underscore Bird, and that that show runs on local. I mean, it, it runs on the Ravens website for viewers that don't live in the um, in the in the Baltimore area, but it does run on TV stations in Baltimore. I I know as uh, a few years ago it was on Fox 45. I'm not sure if it's still on that station, but it's still Nonetheless, pretty cool to see some of our uh, posts not being noticed, not just by, uh, you know, Baltimore Ravens fans in the community, both them and then uh, media outlets like the Ravens who are acknowledging us, too. So we really appreciate everybody that's checking out our work. We wanted to, you know, a couple episodes in, just acknowledge that we do appreciate all the views as we try to build this website off a fan-sided network. Uh, fellas, moving on, we're going to break down the Raiders game in a minute, but I just wanted to touch on how impossible it is to predict the NFL. I only got two or three picks right out of, you know, 15, six, I, think, I believe it was 15 games this year only or, or this week, only a couple teams had buys. You know, did really poorly this week, and my picks just go to show the, the state of the NFL, aside from the Chiefs who are undefeated right now and the Browns who haven't won a game, it's getting really hard to pick uh, all, all, the, all the games for that matter. I know the past few years, Everybody's been harping on, you know, how unpredictable the league is, but I think more especially this year, you know, several factors, uh, you know, injuries, especially those have been a big story this year as they are every year. But it really seems like this year there's been a lot of injuries and it's been very, very hard to predict the NFL. Joe, we'll shoot to you first, but it is such a week-to-week league. I mean, last week we were talking about, you know, the Ravens' season was already over, and this week, you know, uh, we're going to talk about a team that went out to open on the road and won a game that none of us really expected them to win. And now, you know, they you look at the schedule, you've got the Bears at home, the Vikings on the road, and then the Dolphins at home. The Ravens, you know, just one week after we thought everything was over and going into the toilet, we're ready to talk about how they could possibly make a run at it.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they come up against the Bears, who have Mitchell Trubisky, who wasn't the starting quarterback to start the season, then the Vikings, who have Case Keenum at quarterback right now, because Sam Bradford's not healthy. Dolphins have Jake Cutler, who... Wasn't the quarterback coming in to start the season, technically, with um, Ryan Tano hurt, then the Titans also with Marcus Mariota out with a hamstring injury. We don't know how long he's going to be out with that. Um, so the Ravens really have a shot to kind of run the table here the first half of the schedule. And I mean, if you, even if they go three in one of those games, it puts them at, at um, okay, they're kind of at six and what's it, six and um, three going into the second half of the, the schedule. And I mean, when they play the Packers, Texans, Lions, the Steelers again, and then the Bengals, which is never a given. I mean, that's a good record to be going in with, especially after the first two losses, and we were just kind of freaking out about this team, like you said. But I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, the, the Bills and Jets are above the AFC East right now. I mean, no one in their life would ever predicted that. I mean, other than the Chiefs and the Broncos, the Chiefs 5-0 and the Broncos 3-1, there's really not another team who you could really point out as, like, being a contender. I mean, there's a lot of teams just kind of stuck in the middle. And if the playoffs ended today, the Ravens would actually be the number six seed, in that wild card spot, which is pretty crazy to think, considering all the injuries and everything they've went through. So um, this team has a shot. I mean, there's still a lot of games left to play, but you have to feel pretty confident with the performance against the Raiders, even though Derek Carr wasn't playing, which we'll get into. But, I mean, their schedule's pretty favorable this year. And, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them sneak in the playoffs. I mean, even the division, the Steelers aren't playing well, and it could could only take a 9-7 or 8-8 record to win the AFC North this year.
1: Yeah, the, the NFL is ridiculously awesome. And the reason it's ridiculously awesome is other than a couple of teams that are like really good and a couple of teams that are really bad, you have a bunch of anybody can win games. Anybody can win on any given week. And the Ravens going into Oakland is something, you know, I think just about everyone penciled in as a loss before the start of the season. And I know Derek Carr wasn't playing, uh, but, that was a big-time win for the Ravens. That was a big-time win. And Chicago, Mitchell Drubisky and that offense was so bottled up last last night, Monday Night Football. You got to think, you play like that, the offense doesn't even need to do a thing. So, I mean, you look at the path the Ravens have, and anything's possible. I still want to see them do what they did in Oakland, do what they did in Cincinnati, do what they did against the Browns. I, I want to see continued success. I, I, I'm, I'm the meters up, but it's not like it's all the way at, up at the end of the meter. Uh, it, it's pretty good. It, it's pretty fun product the NFL has right now.
0: And of course, we did want to break down the Raiders game again. The Ravens picking up a 30 to 17 win over the Raiders after two straight losses for the Ravens. They pick it up and get back above 500 at three and two. Joe Flacco threw for 222 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but a 98.6 rating. Uh, The Ravens had 143 yards rushing on the ground, uh, led by Buck Allen, who had 73 yards, and Alex Collins, who had 55 yards. Uh, Allen scored a touchdown on the day. Receivers, Mike Wallace had a breakout game, only three receptions, but 133 yards, Uh, really big difference maker. Flacco hit him on a big play on the first play of the uh, game. Jeremy Macklin had six receptions for 43 yards. No touchdowns by the receivers, but still good to see everybody get involved, ex- with the exception of Rashad Perryman. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the episode, and then of course the defense playing lights out. Kind of uh, struggled a little bit in the second half, but really they looked dominant in the first in the first half, shutting the Raiders down. And I do believe that if Derek Carr played, the the story of this game would have been much different. Carr has seven touchdown passes and, and an interception in two games against the Ravens, and the quarterback rating I, I believe is around 110. He knows he's played well against the Ravens in two games, and I think if he played this game, it could have turned out a lot differently. But nevertheless, uh, we always hit on how bad the Ravens are on the road. It's been well documented for several seasons now. And the fact that, you know, they played in London two weeks ago before coming home. They didn't take the bye, playing in their third different time zone in as many weeks. Uh, really impressive for them to go out there and pick up a road win. Uh, Chris, we'll go over to you first. You know, the offense broke out. Flacco actually played a decent game, really for the first time this season. We talked about in the first two games, even though the Ravens started two and zero, Flacco, you know, didn't really do all that much. Just did what the offense needed to do to win. Not necessarily, you know, he's looking. He's finally looking like a hundred and twenty million dollar quarterback. Finally, last week, we'll see if that continues. Um, but you know, the defense played a great game. wasn't fantastic by any standards, but did look pretty good. But I think a good thing, a good theme for this team is play good defense and get a good effort out of Joe Flacco nine times out of
1: 10 the Ravens should come out on top. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Joe, the play that excited me, it's the moment that excited me. The Raiders are coming back and we needed we had a big third and long and Joe Flacco stood in the pocket, stepped into his throw, took a big old hit and found Prashad Perryman who actually made a really big catch for a first down and then the drive ended in a Justin Tucker field goal, and it was like, okay, the Ravens are going to keep control of this game. And if we don't have that first down, this game might have ended up getting into the, uh, oh, goodness, the Ravens can't put it away category. The Ravens made adjustments throughout the game. They were on top of it wire to wire. I honestly think if you play that well, I mean, you play that well, the only difference Derek Carr would have made – was a touchdown or two. I, it would have been a closer game, but you score thirty points on the road, you should win that every time. Especially with this defense, the Ravens put forward for the great effort, and it was it was nice to see. It's nice to see Flacco actually be able to crack a smile or two. It's nice to be able to see good things happen. It's just it's just unbelievably refreshing because I went into that game. I wasn't even sure if I wanted to watch it. I mean, I was going to no matter what. But I was like, I can't do this for a third straight week. And it was just so refreshing.
2: Yeah, it was really refreshing to watch. I mean, for them to come out the first play in that throw that deep ball right to Mike Wallace, that really kind of set the tone for how the game was going to go. And it was the first time I feel like this season we finally seen them take big shots in the first half. I remember we were talking about the Steelers game the other week where we just kept watching this offense go three and out, three and out, three and out. They're on some terrible offensive plays, and it's just so nice to see Flacco get the deep ball going to Mike Wallace. And, I mean, three catches, these 133 yards, they were all just huge catches, and they really exposed a pretty terrible Raiders secondary. But I think the big thing here was the, was the offensive line. I mean, all the injuries they've gone through with to Alex Lewis, now Matt Skura, for them to hold up like they did against an, a decent front seven, but with Khalil Mack, I mean, that's incredible. Ronnie Stanley and Austin Howard, played fantastic on the outside, especially Stanley. I think he, I think both of them held uh, Khalil Max's zero QB pressures the first time since week 17 of the 2014 season. And this is the guy who's coming off double-digit sack seasons the past two years. So for them to be able to do that and have Ryan Jensen in the middle, I mean, that's very impressive. They're playing one of like one of the better offensive lines right now, and if they can keep that up, I'm not sure how J- Jermaine Illumino will fare at right guard, but, but those other guys to be able to step up and and kind of play the way they did. That's it's a great. And the run game in the second half was also a big key. I mean, with Terrence West out, Alex Collins and Buck Allen, they just they often just ran the ball down the Raiders' shirt. I mean, they sustained some huge drives in the third quarter where they weren't actually putting up any points, but they just held on to the lead. And it was just very refreshing to see the Ravens have a lead and be able to hold on it and close hold on to it and close out a game because the last few times they've played the Raiders, they've had leads going into the third and fourth quarter and blew it. I mean, I remember I was at the game last year, and they literally let Derek Carr drive down the field and throw to Michael Crabtree, essentially a, a wide open pass to the touchdown. So for them to be able to hold on to things and even kick two field goals and just get some points just to extend it to a two-score game was just was just refreshing to see. And if they can do that and get out to these starts and be able to hold on to leads with this defense, they definitely have a chance. I mean, Flacco, was he perfect? No, but I mean, no interceptions. Finally snapped that streak. And if he can play good enough to put the Ravens in positions to win games, then that's all we need him to be. No one, no, no one thinks Flacco going to be a Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady throwing for 400 <coughs> yards and like four or five touchdowns. That's just not the quarterback that he is. I mean, he has his games where he gets hot, but overall Joe Flacco is. Love average quarterback when he's playing well. And that's all the Ravens need to be with this defense in this run game that people that many people aren't talking about because the, offense is, because the wide receivers have played for that. But they're averaging over 130 yards rushing per game, which is incredible compared to last season when they barely averaged above 90. So if they can keep this going, I mean, this team is a shot to win some games.
0: A big key, I think, as we alluded to, Joe Flacco not sacked any times. He was hit two times, but not giving up any sacks, certainly did uh, make a difference in of course against a guy like Khalil Mack. You know, Ronnie Stanley and the entire offensive line played really well. And as we as we said, Matt is going to miss some time, two to four weeks with MCL sprain. Now Jermaine Illuminor is going to be filling in for him at right guard. Terrence West is going to be out for an extended period of time with a cap injury. We're not sure of the severity of it yet. The Ravens have been kind of quiet on updating us on him. Uh, but just assume he's going to miss a lot of time leaving the door open for Alex Collins, who did not fumble on Sunday, and then Buck Allen. And I think, you know, as you know, the, the, the Ravens didn't turn the ball over on Sunday, and it, it proved out to work out well for them. The injuries, of course, keep piling up, but there's no doubt about that. Uh, Terrence West and now Matt Scura going forward, you know, with this makeshift offensive line, certainly going to be a key to see how, as they continue to play together and get more chemistry, how it shakes out. But with all this still uncertainty, I mean, I don't think there... The Ravens did have a good game on Sunday. Let's let's not dispute that. But let's keep in mind that the defense they were facing, the Raiders' defense, has not been good all season. And let's also keep in mind about what happened in the first four games. Uh, a lot of that can be alluded to the uh, all the injuries in training camp, not having Flacco, you know, not having any uh, time to build relationships with guys like um, Jeremy Macklin and then Brashad Perryman. So a lot of the slow starts can kind of be put on that. And then I think finally a lot of people said, well, we're a month into the season. They have to get themselves together, especially after the two losses, and that happened. But with the uncertainty, all the injuries of the offensive line, not having a weapon in the the backfield, and if the receivers continue to play great, that'll certainly help the Ravens. Uh, Chris, we'll go to you first, and then Joe. uh, Even as the Ravens played well the other day, looking ahead, if they can still keep this up, It's still really up in the air. I mean, if we take a look at the whole body of work, I think we've seen more bad than good from the offense. Um, But as the season keeps going, kind of like last year, where they started off slow on offense and eventually picked it up, I think everything that's that's been put in this picture with this offense, coupled along with how predictable the or how unpredictable, excuse me, the entire NFL is. I think it's going to be more of a week-to-week thing. I do think the Ravens' offense, if we're answering the question, can they keep us up, some days I think they will, and some games I think they won't. I just think it's, it's going to be a flip of the coin every week. How do you guys feel about that? Chris, we'll go to you first.
1: I think the Ravens' offense has done one thing very consistently the entire season. They have a top-10 running game. I mean, I think it gets lost when you have the worst passing game in the NFL for uh, the first four weeks of the season. Um, it gets lost where Joe Flacco is just atrocious, and he has a game where he throws, what, 28 yards in London. But the Ravens have been able to run the ball consistently every single week, and if you can couple that with Joe Flacco just not falling on his face, that's a pretty good thing because you don't need much from Joe Flacco if you have a top-set running game and you have a couple of weapons, whether it be a Jeremy Macklin, whether it be a Mike Wallace, step up and play well. I think you need one or two weapons to actually show up. I think you need Joe Flacco to to not have a horrible game. You need to keep the running game going, and we know the one thing we can do, whether we're doing well or not, is run the football. And I think the offensive line doesn't get enough credit for what they've done the entire season running the football. And I will say this, if the Baltimore Ravens offense is going to, going to falter It's going to be when they get away from the run. If they run the football and make Joe Flacco do the things he likes to do, play safe football, they can be successful. And that at that point, it's all on Monday Morning League. It's a little on Joe Flacco, but it's all on Monday Morning League. We know how to play horrible offense. We know how to play functional offense. I don't think we're ever going to play great offense, but we know how to be functional. Be functional, run the football, safe throws, get Flacco out of the pocket. And you know what? Flacco is stepping into his throws. If the offensive line can protect him at all, it's not like that's the first time he stepped into his throws in, what, two and a half years, maybe three years. The first time he stepped into his throws, he looked confident, he knew what he was doing and he put throws right on the money. He put them where only the receiver could get them. The deep throws weren't jump balls. They were right in the bread basket for Mike Wallace, 250-yard bombs. So I think the offense can be week-to-week functional. I don't know if we're going to get it, but I know it can be week-to-week functional, and I think you're going to have a bad day or two, but I think the offense has figured some things out. Marty Morningwick knows what he needs to do. If he does not do it, that is his fault. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um... I think
2: people really forget how big of an arm Flacco has. I mean, he's been he's had some terrible games over the years, but he can really swing the football. I mean, 60, 70 yards, he he throws it like it's nothing. Um, but like I agree with you what you said, Chris. I mean, for this offense to have success, it has to be through the running game. I mean, the receivers are going to have their production, but from what we've seen through the first four games, I mean, this was a pretty bad rate of secondary they came up against, so they definitely exploited that. And I also think we saw the run game a lot more than we had the first four weeks because the Ravens held such an early lead in the first half. And I hope that Marty Morningway just continues to commit to the run game because we know what happens when he doesn't. And it's just not good for this offense. We even saw it in the Steelers game, when they don't commit to the run, there's just no way to set up the passing game. They, it, the Ravens cannot live or die off the passing game. It's not good enough. I don't care how good Mike Wallace and Jeremy Macklin play. They're, they're just not good enough. That's just the bottom line. So – Buck Allen and Alex Collins need to be these consistent guys week to week. Um, I feel like every other week it's a different player, on the, the different running backs stepping up, and we need to see more consistency between Allen and Buck Allen, or Buck Allen and Alex Collins now that Terrence West is out. And I know they signed Bobby Rainey today. I don't think they'll really have much of an impact behind those two as long as they can hold on to the football. But those two are the key going forward, especially against, them, especially against the Bears defense that really had some trouble against Jared McKinnon and the Vikings rushing attack.
0: Of course, Danny Woodhead also on the roster. He's on injured reserve and will be for the foreseeable future. Uh, Possibility he could come back later in the season with a hamstring injury, but we're not sure when that's going to be. Uh, speaking of uh, the Ravens offense, we wanted to hit on this a little bit. This is the last topic before we move on to some the, the Bears game and some other topics around the league. Uh, Brashad Perryman. There, Joe wrote a good piece up on ebonybird.com today about uh, how the clock is ticking on Brashad Perryman. Limited to four catches and 26 yards. In 16 targets, those are that's his stat line for not just, you know, the game last week, but hit the entire season, a five-game body of work. Uh, I've, I've been concerned about Perryman, um, really, since he got hurt in 2015. You know, of course, him and Flacco didn't see the field at all together. I mean, if you look at all the off-season practices the Ravens have had since Perryman got drafted, Flacco and him have barely been on the field together at all. It's just really astonishing about how the whole situation has played out. But um, I don't know how you can't call Perryman a bust right now. Uh, it's five games in. He's not nearly involved. Guys like Chris Matthews and Michael Campanero getting just as many snaps as he is and just as many targets. Um, it definitely is a concern, and it definitely goes to show how uh, the franchise completely botched this pick unless there's a complete turnaround. Um, he has had some chances on some deep passes, but both on those and on intermediate routes, he just isn't catching the football. I mean, he's only caught a fourth of the, of the, of the passes that have been thrown to him. Joe, will go to you first then, Chris. Where are you standing on Perryman right now? I mean, the clock is ticking. How short is the leash for it going to start being for him? Um, I don't think they're going to make him a healthy scratch or anything, but he, they're clearly not not very confident in him.
2: No, they're not very confident in him, I and mean, I don't think Bashad Perryman is very confident in himself. I mean, he just has been play, he's just played terrible this year. He's dropped a couple big passes. In the beginning of the season i mean four catches for 26 yards that put them on pace for 82 total receiving yards this season which i think he'll get more than that but just to think about that's pretty crazy for a guy that was close to 500 last year and i don't know It's just i think they completely botched this pick too i've been back and forth on it and i don't want to i don't want to call him a bust too early but i feel like at this point you don't really have much else to like i don't i don't really have another choice i mean the Ravens drafted him. He's, he's a very fast receiver. Don't get me wrong; he ran some incredible forty times coming into the NFL draft. But that just doesn't necessarily translate onto the NFL football field. I feel like in college, when you have these fast receivers in these air raid spread offenses, they're able to beat bad cornerbacks with ease and just throw deep balls on the nine routes to them. But when they get when Perryman gets in the NFL and comes up against the better cornerbacks. Of the league, he can't get separation, and they, he can ride on that speed. But these cornerbacks are just as fast as he is sometimes. And I'll put on the coaching a little bit. I don't think they've really utilized him as much as they could, as as good as they could have this season so far. But a lot of it just falls on Perryman. He has he has no confidence. He has trouble catching the ball. And when you're Joe Flacco, you're looking for that crucial first down. I know he's found them late in the game, but other than that, he's not going to be looking for Bresha Perryman because from what we've seen so far this season, he's he just doesn't have the kind of confidence in him. And it worries me because going down the line, I mean, Mike Wallace and Jeremy Macklin are both hovering around the age of 30. You've got Perryman. Then you've got Michael Campanero, Chris Moore, and Chris Matthews who are, he, who, what's the future of this Ravens receiving core? I mean, if Perryman's the future and he's your number one receiver, good luck. Cause that's not what's going to happen. I mean, he's got one more year left on his contract and then a fifth year option. I don't even know if they'd pick that up. So I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't, I mean, it's nothing they can really do with him now. They can't just get rid of him, like you said, but he just needs to step up and hopefully that one catch he made at the end of the Raiders game is kind of a confidence booster going forward. But it's just been excusable how terrible he's played this season and we have to see more from him if the Ravens passing offense really wants to get going this season.
1: Yeah, uh, I have a couple things on this point, but I am, uh, let start it off with a hypothetical. If you have, take all the receivers from Brashad Perryman's 2015 draft. Take all the receivers, you put them into the 2018 draft, Knowing what you know now. Does Prashad Perriman get drafted at all? I
2: mean, I, I think he'd, get, I, he'd be a late pick probably, but, I mean, I don't know. He had, troubles, he had trouble holding on to the ball in college, and he was kind of a boomer bust pick in the first place. And I think a lot of us were surprised that the Ravens took him, but they took a big chance. And this, uh, this organization just has a terrible record in the first place in drafting wide receivers.
1: My point is he would probably be – a fifth or sixth round pick at the highest if you know what knowing what we know now so this is a bust and uh, you know what maybe maybe he can figure it out but you know what even if he figures it out it was a bust he ended up stinking and maybe the light comes on but i don't know if there's a light that can come on i mean I'm tired of begging for production from a first-round pick. Look at all the other receivers in the past few years that have been huge players right away. It's not like it's not like oh well he needs time to develop for the NFL. Screw that. Take some mental rest while you didn't do anything in your entire rookie season. I'm just I'm tired of it. I'm tired of waiting for something from a first-round pick. I'm tired. Of begging for production from a guy who was taken with the 27th pick. I'm tired of waiting for him to do anything. It's no, it's not going to happen. And if it does happen, well, you know what? You took your damn time doing it. It's ridiculous. The Ravens pick wide receivers so poorly that it doesn't bother me that they didn't take a receiver this year because if the Ravens won them in the draft, Chances are he wasn't good in the first place. Ozzie Newsom is great. When the, I've always had this theory of Ozzie Newsom. The heavier the player is, the more likelihood that Ozzie Newsom will get a hit in the draft. The uh, the smaller the player is in stature, the less likely Ozzie Newsom is to make the pick right. You look at what he picks right, Lyman, tight ends, uh, linebackers. Those are his bread and butter. But when you ask him to take a wide receiver, uh-oh. It's just
0: awful. It's hard to dispute all the points you just made. This is the Ebony Bird Podcast, the October 11th edition. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at mcdonald 95 We have our two site experts of Ebony Bird, Chris Schistler at FootballMan58, and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller with two R's on Twitter. We are at ebony underscore bird and ebonybird.com. Of course, you can find us in the App Store as well with the app. And, of course, this podcast coming to you through either iTunes or Block Talk Radio. We want to break down the Bears game and get into some other topics around the NFL. There's a lot of news to get into. Uh, The the Bears game taking place this Sunday from M.T. Manx Stadium at 1 o'clock on Fox. I know uh, plans have not been set in stone yet, but the plan is for all three of us to to attend the game and do some sort of of, uh, of post-game review. We're going to have to talk about that after we're done recording the podcast tonight and to finalize that. Uh, but we did want to break down the Bears game, some predictions about this, possibly another defensive performance, uh, dominant defensive performance, scouting a rookie or playing a rookie quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky. The Bears are coming into Baltimore with a 1-4 record. They just lost on Monday night football uh, on Monday night, 20-17 to the Vikings. Mitchell Trubisky in his NFL debut went 12-25 for 25 for 128 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception a quarterback rating of 11, and an overall rating of 60. Uh, you know, you can look into this game. The, Ra- the the Bears obviously have one of the least talented rosters, a very young roster, uh, not the best head coach in John Fox. But uh, you take a look at their record, 1-4, and four, and who did they beat? They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who lost to a team that the Ravens also lost to in the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know uh, while Ravens fans were celebrating the win, they were also thinking of Big Ben throwing five interceptions and saying he might not have it anymore after the game. Uh, but still have to keep that win in mind. The Bears did take it to the Steelers, uh, but still coming into this game, it, you know, playing in Baltimore, defense, the loud crowd. Uh, we'll go to Chris first, and then Joe. It's hard to see really uh, the Bears making a, a big stamp, a stop on this game when you're coming in with a rookie quarterback, and you know the Ravens have faced many rookie quarterbacks lately in Kaiser. They're going to face Deshaun Watson later in the season on Monday Night Football, uh, but all things considered, this does, when you look it up on paper, could be, a shootout from on the Ravens' perspective could be a very close game. Uh, judging on what we've seen from the Ravens so far, it's kind of hard to predict as it is around the NFL. But if we look at last week's performance and the offense finally putting it together, good chance the Ravens walk out of M&T Bank Stadium with a victory on Sunday.
1: Well, I'm going to be cocky after one week of uh, football, and I'm going to say the Ravens get another shutout. Mr. Trubisky is awful. The Bears bottled, the Bears offense bottled itself up. I mean, yeah, Jordan Howard's a good running back and Terry Cohen is explosive, but Terry Cohen loses a lot of yards behind the line of scrimmage dancing. And honestly, the Bears running game is on or off. It's either red hot or it is cold. And I took three note cards, uh, three note cards of notes. Uh, on the game last night because it was the Ravens' next two opponents, and tomorrow I'm going to have a on com We're going to have the uh, what we know about the Bears right now kind of thing. But I'll tell you this right now: the Bears. The only way the Bears win this game is if they make the Ravens' offense just look as bad as they do. Because Leonard Floyd's a huge playmaker at the outside linebacker position. Um. Uh Team Hunt is a great interior defensive lineman, defensive end guy. He stack their front seven, man. It is it is stacked. Their front seven can go. Um they get a lot of pass rush with four or five band guy uh four or five band rush. They like to do some fire zones. They had a stack last night where they had a fire zone, Bradell McPhee drops back and it looks like he's coming, he drops back and then you get the board from the other side. Oh my goodness. Poor poor Sam Bradford didn't even know what hit him. Uh it just the Bears can get a lot of pressure in their defensive line. That's the only chance they got. But that offense, absolutely dreadful. And if that running game is cold, the Bears have no shot against the Baltimore offense. Not one shot.
2: Yeah, I think we'll see a couple of turnovers too, because their, their wide receiver uh, depth chart is really limited. I mean, Kevin White and Cameron Meredith both out for the year with those injuries. You have Marcus Wheat and Kendall Wright and Deontay Thompson, which made three wide receivers that don't really scare you, especially with how well this Raven secondary is playing. Ravens have a good record against rookie quarterbacks coming into this game at home, so I'm, I'm hoping they keep that up, and I definitely think they could. They get to Mitchell Zabisky, especially on that pass motion to Terrell Suggs and Matt Judon on the outside. They can definitely make him very uncomfortable. I think they'll definitely try to rely on the running game, like Chris said, but um, it's either a hit or a miss. Jordan Howard's a very good running back, and he's proven that. He proved that last season and into this season as well. Um, but I think the Ravens' defense is, is just a lot better than the Bears' offense. I think they'll be able to hold them down. If this game was in Field, I might think a little differently, because the Bears somehow just always play well at Field. We saw what they did to the Steelers. But there, there's no reason the Ravens shouldn't win this game. I mean, if they're able to contain Leonard Floyd and Pernod C on the outside, the two inside linebackers are just terrible. I was watching a couple of plays last night. I didn't get to watch the whole game. But when Derrick McKinnon broke that huge run, the two inside linebackers just got completely washed down and just taken out of the play. I think Alex Collins and Buck Allen could have a really big game up the middle and break some big runs. So the Ravens just can't play down to an opponent. We saw them do that last year, and they and we haven't really seen it too much this year. I mean, say what you want about the Jags are a better team than we thought. But the Ravens the Ravens have to win this game. If they, if they want to be a contender this season, they have to be pulling out these early games before they get into the tougher part of their schedule. So I, there's, they very much need to win this game, and I think they will.
0: Of course, Pernell McPhee uh, having a big homecoming this weekend. Of course, he played a couple seasons for the Ravens last season, was in 2014 when the Ravens made it to the divisional round in the playoffs. For me, the key comes down to stopping Jordan Howard. Uh, of course, that's going to, you know, with the Ravens' front seven, Brandon Williams possibly not playing again, that's going to be the key for me. And then you look at the Bears receivers you guys alluded to, Deontay Thompson, another former Raven. Their, their receiving core is not stacked at all. I honestly, Jimmy Smith dealing with that Achilles injury, he only played seven defensive snaps uh, last week. Unless, you know, there's an emergency situation, I might just give Jimmy Smith the game off based on how – uh, depleted the Bears receiving core is, but still uh, that will be de- that will definitely something to keep an eye out, and would be interesting to see if Marlon Humphrey gets a lot of reps as well, uh, if if Jimmy Smith isn't out there on the field as often. Uh, but of course, I'm gonna go with the Ravens win here, as I think we all are agreeing on. Um, of course, again Sunday at one o'clock, I believe the game is gonna be on Fox. So I'll have to double check that, but uh, usually if an NFC team playing in an AFC stadium, the away network Fox gets the the broadcast, so that's what I'm assuming is happening. We before we go, we've got to talk about. Uh, I I just added this to the end of our script. Some of the you know storylines happening around the NFL. So many injuries this week and really this season. You know on Sunday Night Football, JJ Watt fracturing his leg out for the season and possibly from what I'm hearing, his injury is more serious than just a regular torn ACL. Especially after he dealt with the the back surgery last year and all just all the effort that he's put into the hurricane relief down there in Houston. Really heartbreaking to see him go down. You could just see it in his face after it happened, completely speechless. He's done for the year. I, I don't think that's a killer to the Texans, but certainly a huge loss. I think the depth they have on defense, they'll be able to uh, at least hold their own, not be as great without Watt in there. Uh, but, man, what a tough injury. And then we talk about, you know, the, the Ravens the roster being so spread with injuries. You take a look at that Giants game last week against the Chargers, two win- the, the two winless teams. I have never in one football game I have never seen one position like the Giants' wide receivers take such a beating and just go down like flies throughout the game. Uh, Dwayne Harris, Sterling Shepard, uh, not not knowing that you know their severity, the, not as serious as the two injuries to the top two guys, Brandon Marshall and Odell Beckham Jr. suffering the devastating ankle injuries. Both of those guys are out for the season and. Obj after he sprain, you know, suffering a high ankle sprain in the preseason. I can, I mean, it literally looked. I, I, I saw that play, um, and the amount of pain he was in, and it, I don't know if it was the design on his gloves, uh, but it looked like he, like some something was bleeding. It literally looks like he got shot. The amount of pain that he was in, like got, got getting shot in the ankle. Um, uh, I've, I've never seen a football play. I mean, I have, but it's it, just the seeing the amount of pain he was in is it, it just it just breaks your heart. And I know Odell is, you know, looking, you know, he's he's obviously a big figure in the NFL. A lot of people don't like him because of, of his attitude. Um, but, man, just to see a player like that entering the final year of his rookie contract next year, I, he's, got, he's in a tough position. I, I, he's going to have a decision to make if he wants to, you know, risk getting injured again next season or if he's going to sit out and hope the Giants pay him. Um, so he can get some guaranteed money out of his rookie contract after being one of the best receivers in the NFL for the past three seasons, and then you go over to the, the situation in Miami where their offensive line coach, former now uh, Chris Forster, is caught on video snorting a white substance that we're consider- that we're all assuming is cocaine. And I I don't know for sure I've uh, I've heard from a couple people that he's married I don't know that, that for certain but the the video he recorded about a minute long you can see him snorting the substance through a, through a uh, a dollar or like a $20 bill or something like that. And he's, you know, saying all these things like he can't wait to do this again with this woman who's apparently out in Vegas. So really seeing that whole situation and then they don't, they don't fire him. They, they actually let him resign and send out a message. Like there's just so much craziness going on in the NFL right now. And this season, even talking about the the kneeling and the protesting going on and then our president firing back, Uh, we'll go to Joe first and then Chris just, not only on the field with all the injuries, but off the field, just so much craziness happening right now. There's so much it's, – it's dominating uh, not just sports news waves, but all of news waves. Just the, the NFL, there's just so much craziness happening right now.
2: Yeah, it's just – I mean, even more news today about the NFL owners trying to make a rule to make players stay stand for the National Anthem. I don't want to get into all the politics of it, but it's just crazy. I mean, it may sound, it may sound bad, but at least for Ravens fans, it's nice to see – not, they're not the only team suffering some injuries off. Every team seems to be really suffering some major injuries. And the Odell situation, like you're talking about, is so sad. I mean, I don't care. I mean, his attitude is what it is, but he just loves the game of football and he's such a fantastic football player to watch. Um, I was at the Ravens Giants game in New York last last year when Beckham went they off at the, at the end of the game and had both of those huge long touchdowns. And I mean, it broke my heart, but he's a fantastic football player. I mean, he's probably one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen. And for him to, talk about getting paid before this season, then getting hurt and now like you said, it's going to have to risk either sitting out or maybe another injury before finishing his rookie contract. He's put in a very tough position and the Giants are just terrible. I mean, we talked about them maybe being a contender this season and they're and 5 fighting for a number 1 draft pick. I mean, they I don't even know who their wide receivers are this year. Um going into next week, I I don't even know. They might even call one of us up there. It's insane. They've lost everyone on that side of the ball. They don't
1: know. They don't know who their receivers are. They're going to just go go anywhere they can find them.
0: They can
2: have yep. a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> great. Well, <them. laughs> yeah, the some too. I mean, losing J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless, both on the outside, of that defense with Brian Cushing still suspended for at least a couple of other months. Um that defense took a big hit. Like you said, I think they're, they're all right and Deshaun Watson has played well, but they're, they're in a tough position and the Ravens, um, play them, play them in a couple of weeks too. So having that's definitely good news for the Ravens offense because coming to the season, the Texans were a top defense in the league, but it's just been crazy. I mean, just everything. I mean, you turn on any news network that has nothing to do about sports and the number one topic is talking about something on ESPN about Jamel Hill getting suspended and something to do with the NFL or, the protests, the national anthem, and everything. It's just, been, it's just been crazy. I don't think I've ever seen a season like this where there's just been so much going on, and we're only through week five. I mean, it just makes you think what else we're going to see this season, and I'm just, I don't know what to
1: think. So, Yeah, I'm looking forward to whether or not you watch the NFL not being a hot-butted issue. Like, I like Monday. I'm, like, so happy about the Ravens win, and I'm at work, and I'm like, they're like, how are you? I said, I, I, I just gotta you, the day after Ravens win is a good day. And three people snapped at me for watching the NFL. I'm like, what did I do wrong? It's just I, I'm I'm waiting for that to stop being a hot-butted issue. But, man, I'll take a fifth or sixth-round pick for Brashad Perryman. <laughs> you know, I started, started a fifth if you got to a sixth. That's fine. They dropped better in the rounds away. I mean, we'll get something out of them, and you know, I'm fine with that. But the Giants are unwatchable right now. It, they're just and Ben McAdoo might be the worst head coach I've ever seen. I mean, he's just horrible. He, he he's not even a good play caller. He has no rhythm to his offense. I mean, before all the injuries, you had Brandon Marshall, Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, Shepherd, Evan Ingram, and I am starting to think I signed up to call plays for that. I mean, come on. But yeah, the Roger Goodell thing, uh, you know, it seems it seems pretty spineless. Uh, but I'm not getting into the politics. I'm just not doing it tonight. I'm I'm kind of how you know, it's like talked it out, I've gone. I'm just I there's nothing else to say. Everyone said everything ten million times. Um it but we are not the only team with injuries. I would I would say this is the greatest football season in terms of parity i've ever seen other than the kansas city chiefs of the AFC, who looks that good i mean and that's a good thing for the nfl because like i said earlier anybody can beat anybody parity is happening and that's that's good Mm -hmm. um it's just a lot going on man this is this is nuts
0: and you guys talked about how unwatchable the Giants are. Well, we're going to get to all watch them on Sunday Night Football this week as they take on the Denver Broncos in a very marquee Sunday Night matchup. There, good job NFL for not flexing that game.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Poor Eli. Eli's going to be that after this week. Watch.
0: Certainly a bunch out to watch for this week. The NFL, as Chris said, is a hot commodity no matter where you stand. Of course, the Ravens again taking on the Bears Sunday at one o'clock in Baltimore. The three of us are planning on going. We did talk about doing a Facebook Live or something along those lines after the game. We do have to talk about that after the show. But if we do do anything along those lines after the game on Sunday, follow us on Twitter at ebony underscore bird. We will announce what we're doing and keep you guys posted. Again, I'm Jay McDonald 95 on Twitter. Chris is Footballman58, and Joe is Joe Schiller with two R's. Again, check us out on EbonyBird.com. And, again, subscribe to this podcast through either iTunes or SoundCloud, or, excuse me, Blog Talk Radio. I'm used to saying that for my sports blog. Uh, but, anyway, thanks again for listening to another edition of the Ebony Bird Podcast, and we will see you next week when we're hopefully talking about another Ravens win and a 4-2 and record. So, for Chris and Joe, I'm Jake McDonald. We'll see you next week.